Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, L.A. Nick, Alex Brandt, Bernard Rasmussen, Melissa Kirk, Andy Brandt, Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. We shall be right back. A couple of great guests coming up this hour as well. Thank you to Jesse Roberts and Mark McLeish should be up next. Tom Bernard Show. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Do we have the beat? No. <laughs> it's not we lost got the beat. It's not we got the beat. This is our lips are sealed. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, they're all sounding the same to me. You know, it's really funny. Uh, Nancy Wilson from Heart came out today and said that uh, they ripped off uh, the riff for Barracuda from Nazareth in a song that they were they were doing but then we compared the that whole thing you know the barracuda yeah compared it to the theme song from Rawhide from the yeah. early 1950s it's, it's the exact. same song <laughs> it also sounds like bonanza and bonanza ripped bonanza. it off from yeah. rawhide That's i think exactly. i think bonanza did rip it off from rawhide yeah yeah. They did. Yeah. yeah, they absolutely did. But this, we ripped it. No, no, no. It's been ripped off for about 60 years now, we were actually, so don't worry about it. We were listening to you on the way to school um, when you were talking about that. Speaking, of, oh, get, were, speaking okay. of getting ripped off, real quick, do you know the Final Four is coming to Minnesota? And it's at, instead of at Target Center, which is our basketball arena, mm-hmm. it's going to be at U.S. Bank Stadium. What? So yeah. they decided that it can't be there because it's all day and night and nobody wants yes. to play basketball with the sun shining in. So they put up, and they're, we taxpayers are paying for it, $4.6 million in curtains. And they, this, is the, this, is, <laughs> this is their sales pitch. It will last the lifetime of the stadium. Oh yeah, okay. They will last as long. Four point six million dollars in curtains. They're putting Um, them up right now. And they're cloth curtains, by the way. They're not like hardy. They're cloth curtains. They are theater curtains. Four point six million. Why can't they just do it where it's already ready? Because they want us to pay. Well, speaking of speaking of deception, we have Mark McClish on the phone. Mark McClish, how are you? Marky oh. Mark. 
Mr. McClish, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I just read something here, and this is going to be—it's going to be a very difficult one for me, Mark, because I just read Mark McClish is a retired supervisory deputy United States Marshal. He spent nine years teaching interviewing techniques. Well, I, I guess I'm under the gun here, Mark. <laughs> Maybe well, not that nine years of... at our training academy teaching interviewing techniques. Maybe not that kind of good... interview, though. <laughs> talking about a, a criminal investigation and an interview. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, two books, as a matter of fact, Mark McClish, M-C-C-L-I-S-H. Uh, Don't Be Deceived, a definitive book on detecting deception, and I Know You Are Lying. We were just talking about this by coincidence, Mark. Uh, we're talking about people, particularly politicians, when they get up in front of the national cameras, and their body language and their facial tics give them away as liars every time. We were just talking about this. Uh, it's it's pretty hard to believe that people can't cover it up better than... Well, maybe some... Can some people cover it up better than others? I would assume so. Some people are better at covering up than others, and, you know, the body language is one thing to look at because it will betray, you know, a person's true thoughts. Uh, but also what I focus on is the language, how people phrase their statement. And even though... You know, people may be a very good liar. Their words will still betray them in some form or fashion. Is it? See, I think that's fascinating. Is it true that people that are true psychopaths, though, they believe their own lie? It's harder to detect that they're lying. It's true that they believe their own lie. I don't. I never found. I haven't interviewed that many uh, so psychopaths or whatever. <laughs> psychopaths. So, so, sorry. Psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but. The problem is they sometimes will tell lies are just hard to believe. I mean, they're just fantastic because they believe it, and it starts to become apparent that they are lying to you. Well, see, what's great about that, Mark, is a guy who asks you that question is a psychopath. So, you know. <laughs> gee, gee, thanks, Tom. <laughs> gee, thanks, Just Tom. seeing if you're listening. Mark, I, first of all, thank you for your service. I'm a big fan of cops and uh United States Marshals and Deputy Chiefs and Chiefs, and I, I just, you people are very, very special people to me. There's no doubt about that. So thank you for your service. And I like the fact you're, you're, you're going to share some of the techniques with people. People, why do people, and I'm talking about as a whole, people love to lie. Is it just easier that way? Is that what it is? Well, they love to lie, but what, what they don't want to do is tell the whole truth. That, that's more of, a, more of an accurate statement. I mean, the biggest form of lying is by admission. So they'll give you a truthful statement. You'll see that a lot with our politicians, but they'll withhold certain information or they'll qualify their statement or they may not answer the specific question asked of them. It's so fascinating because we were just talking also about television news and the fact that network television news will run stories as being 100% factual, and at the very end they go, this might not be true. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I, I don't understand how we got to that point, but it's, I, I see so much deception. I have had close friends. I have had people I've known for decades lie to my face just so they could, they could get some money. It's unbelievable. Is, it, is a lot of this about money, Mark? Uh, in some cases it's about money, but a lot of times it's just people maybe don't want to embarrass themselves or they've mm. done something they shouldn't have done. So they want to get themselves in trouble or somebody else in trouble, and so they, again, maybe will lie about it or not tell us the complete truth about what was going on. It is amazing because uh, uh, Juan Corona, one of the uh, a mass murderer of 25 people, just died yesterday at the age of 85. And I know uh, a couple years ago when he was in prison, he actually was asked about the 25 people he murdered. And he said, what? I don't remember killing anybody. Why would he even say, I mean, does he believe that? Why would he say that? It's, it's very bizarre. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance he doesn't believe it, but most likely he probably knows he killed those people. And so notice what he said. He didn't say, I didn't kill those people. He just said, you know, I don't know what you're talking about or I don't remember something of that happening. But he couldn't make the denial. How many people have – now, would, would you call what you guys do the interrogation? Uh, it is interrogation. It's not like you grill people or – you get to shine that spotlight on them. I always like the spotlight in the old movies when they try to spotlight on someone and then grill them. I love that. 
It's it's more of an interview. I mean, you can usually get the information you're looking for in a good interview. If if you're listening to what the person's saying and recognize they've skipped over something, you eventually back them up in their story. But the interrogation is more like you're saying. It's more uh, confronting confronting somebody and 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 turn the heat up a little bit, so to speak. But most of the time, we're just talking about interviews, just doing a good interview and, and get, trying to get that information from that person. That's a good thing. So does it, in your everyday, first of all, are, 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 you, uh, are you a married man? I am. The only reason I ask you that is that when your wife's with you, does she say, would you stop analyzing people? Does she, does she complain that you analyze people all the time, even off the job now? Nah, she doesn't complain, and that's one of the um, warnings I give when I do my training is I tell people don't use these techniques on family and friends, and I say it jokingly, <laughs> but obviously if you've got kids, you're going to analyze them as they grow up. But uh, my wife travels with me when I conduct this training. She sits in, in all the classes because she takes care of registration and payment and stuff like that, so she could probably teach the class herself. Uh, but no, I, I don't think I could lie to her and get away with it because she knows all the techniques. But does she see you doing it to other people, whether intentionally or unintentionally? She goes, you know, Mark, you were talking to a guy, you were kind of grilling him. I don't know if you know that. And you go, I, I didn't even know I was doing that. Is that a possibility? That's uh, a possibility, but I'm a little more aware of it. I mean, I'll definitely pick okay. up on certain words that people use just in having a conversation with somebody. But I, unlike an interview, I don't ask follow-up questions. You know, I, I don't grill them. I just oh, right. recognize it's an indication they said at one time, that's it. Now, interviewing a suspect, they'll probably give you a lot more indications of deception if they are, you know, withholding some information. All right, I can see that. We're talking to Mark McClish. His two that's books, how we Don't that's Be Deceived. No, no, I understand that. Don't Be Deceived, the definitive book on detecting deception, and I know you are lying. Uh, I just, I'm fascinated by, by both titles. I know you are lying. So. I, I love the way that sounds anyway, because I think when I was a little kid and I tried to pull a fast one on my mother, you had, yeah, well, I know you're lying. So I've heard that my entire life, to tell you the truth. Uh, and I like this, Don't Be Deceived, the definitive book on detecting deception. Uh, and I wish I didn't have to say this, Mr. McClish, but I do. I think this book uh, comes at a really good time because people are being lied to maybe more than they ever have before by Everybody, everyone's lying to everybody else because of social media. I think, is that true? That is true. I find that to be true. There is a lot more deception going on, uh, and it, sometimes it's a little bit easier with social media because you're not face to face with somebody speaking to them. You don't have the body language that you have to worry about, and so there is a lot of uh, deception going on out there. Even if it's just uh, somebody trying to sell you something, of course, they want to make their product sound the best product in the world. But the, if you listen closely to what they're saying, you realize, well, you haven't told me that this is such a great product or, or does or is going to work for me. Yeah, I, it's a fascinating. You know, my wife, actually, Catherine, is on the show with us here. Hello. And I will tell you something that she, she's been doing body language for quite some time because she says, I know the three levels of anger that you have. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I can tell which level of anger you are by your body language. And I said, okay, what are you talking about? She goes, if you're getting angry, you tend to sit up very straight. And if you're getting even angrier, you lean forward a little bit. That's right. And if you're really angry, you start bobbing your head up and down. <laughs> <laughs> like a parrot and chewing your I've lip. actually seen him do that before, now that you say that. <laughs> yeah. I have. I've seen you bob so, his head. Was saying, he must have been mad. So, Mark, I guess I can't get away with anything around Catherine. She's got me nailed. Well, you have to remember, family members, you know, are, are observant. They see you and all your, everybody's, you know, various states of emotion. So <laughs> right. if anybody's going to know body language, it's going to be your family members. I assume that's true. That's right. I think it's magnificent, though. And it's How long has, has uh, reading body, body movements, how, how long has that technique been available, the, the whole culture itself, actually? The body language has been around for a long time. I don't have a, an exact date for it for you. Now, mm -hmm. the linguistic, linguistic analysis, analyzing the language, has probably been in the U.S. since the early 80s. Yeah, I, I think that's probably, probably a situation. I do like that fact, uh, even though I will tell you, again, watching television, whether it's somebody that's president of a company or a politician or a whomever, 
They just go on and they lie right to your face and you know they're lying and they know they're lying, but they get away with it anyway. It's a, it's a different society. When I was a kid, being honest was a, was a very big thing to my mother, being on, uh, honest about that. And look, everybody throughout their lives uses, I don't know if they mean to deceive, but, you know, the little, the, what they used to call white lies, I guess. Uh, so everybody's done it, I would imagine. But I think, am I wrong? It, has it gotten a lot worse? I believe it has gotten a lot worse. Uh, now, sometimes it is, like you're saying, just like a, a, a white lie to lie to somebody, not to maybe embarrass them or something like that. But mm-hmm. the deception is more prevalent now than, than we've seen in, in previous years. Well, I, that's why I think everybody needs to go out and pick up your books, Don't Be Deceived, the definitive book on detecting deception. And I know you are lying. I don't think it's a bad thing to know when people are lying to you, particularly people. I have had people, Mark, in my life that I've known for three or four decades who pulled off deception on me, and I never saw it coming because I didn't, I didn't ever suspect they would do something like that to me. But they do it now, and it's all about money. It's always about money. It's, it's really too bad. It's unfortunate because they're basically criminals. So I, I appreciate your time today in talking about this and reading your books because uh, the more you know about this, I think right now the, the happier you're going to be. Whether somebody you're voting for is lying to you, they're not really going to do what they say they're going to do, and you're going to vote for them. Well, maybe you're not going to because you, they, you now know that they're lying. So I think this will really help a lot of people, Mark. Is that one of the uh, initial reasons you wrote the books, just to try to help people understand what this is all about? Yeah, that was one of my goals. It wasn't just a book written for law enforcement in an interview setting, but just for the, the, mm-hmm. the casual reader to, like you say, to determine, is this politician being truthful? Are they going to do what they say? Um, again, we don't usually we let our guard down a little bit when it comes to friends and family because we expect them not to lie to us. But um, mm-hmm. but for other areas of, of life, if you're just buying a car or something like that, you want to listen closely to what that salesman tells you and how he phrases his statements to see if he is being truthful about this car you're about to buy. I think it's fantastic. I appreciate your time today, sir. It's a, a great interview. And so I have to ask you, you spent nine years teaching interviewing techniques. Any tips you could give me? The biggest thing to listen when you ask a person a question is, did they answer your specific question? I mean, people give you an answer, but when they're being deceptive, they won't answer the specific question. They'll make it sound like they answered your question, but they haven't. That's probably the biggest thing you can listen for. Well, I think it's that's magnificent. That's every politician there is right now. Pretty much. <laughs> that's right. You're right. It is unbelievable. Mark McLeish, thank you so much. Great interview, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Absolutely. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337.
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again to Mark McClish. The book's called Don't Be Deceived, the definition, or excuse me, the definitive book on detecting deception. And I Know You Are Lying, book number two. Hell of a guy. What'd you guys think of that guest? I, I thought, is, is, I Know You Are Lying, is that, isn't that his first book? Yes. Yes, it yeah, is. I bought his first book, actually. At, hmm. they, were, they sold it at FedEx Kinko's in... I don't, I don't know oh, why really? they sold it there, but they did. <laughs> they, they always sell a very limited amount of books there, and his book was in the in the aisle there. And, <laughs> and they have them up by the register. Yeah, they're mostly business books, but his book was there. Oh, really? Yeah, and I thought it was an interesting book. But I, I bought it years ago. That's why I thought it was his first. Cause, it was, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, good, it, yeah, it's a good book, the, though. I'm glad to hear it. I thought he did, did a good interview. He was, he was, you know, it's kind of funny. He comports himself like a United States Marshal. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What do you does, mean? Doesn't ever talk any louder than this, and he just kind of does oh, what he's yeah, supposed calm to do. And carry calm, on. calm, cool, and collect. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. He was definitely a United States Marshal, ladies and gentlemen. The three, the three C's. Him. Great guy. Seems like a very, very nice guy. But I just, uh, I, I wonder if that's your job. If your family members walk around going, "Oh God, Dad, you're doing it again." Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're trying to trying to figure out if people are lying to you or not, just reading their body language and their facial tics and all the rest of it. Well, actually, well, that- I, I, I think it would be hard to, you know, because strangers, you're not going to really know what their tells are till you are around them for a while. So there, it would be good to have techniques to figure it out. That's actually yeah, a, think so. a growing profession in law enforcement is people well, that can see. read people and, prof- you know, figure them out. What's the word for it where they... Uh, Profiling? No, nah, it's not profiling. It's uh, more that they, they can figure out by your crimes and your actions what you're white, what age you are. There's a different. They don't use oh, yeah, profiling yeah, anymore. Right. Right, I'm going to show Tom a picture of two people. Don't look at the thing. Just look at the picture. Yeah, they're not criminals. What, at do, all, what do you think they? they were pulled over for? Uh, drug possession. Yeah. Camper packed floor to ceiling with weed. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> wow. 400 and some, some pounds. That's a lot. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Alexandria, Minnesota. Let yeah. me just point some out to you. When you're a drug dealer, don't try to look like a drug dealer, you dumbass. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? I think they first start looking like it, and then they become here's, it because... Here's my question. So Minnesota's really close to making weed legal in the state. They're mm-hmm. like yes. any yep. any month now. Well, so medically what, it is already. Right, right. But I'm talking recreational. They're, gonna, they're, oh, pushing, recreational. they're pushing hard. Jacob Fry's pushing hard in Minneapolis. They're all pushing right, hard. Right. So once that passes and, ju- and pot is totally legal if you're in prison for pot do you get out i don't think so i would hope so i, I don't I think, think that's i would hope so i think they're trying to push for that though like will these Especially guys it, will these guys get out of prison because they're going to prison well but if laws apply retroactively then it would have to go the other way so if they made something illegal then they could arrest you for something that you did before it was illegal oh, that's and, the problem and possession of it would be are they I mean, you still would be able to get arrested for possession of marijuana if you didn't, like, if it wasn't recreational, it would depend. Yeah, but they're going to go recreational. You think it will? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but recreational, recreational, first of all, they're going to, they'll have a quantity that you can have on you. Yeah, And they're not going to still allow you to just be wheeling and dealing on the streets, except for downtown Minneapolis, which apparently you do anything you want. But the rest of the state most likely will have, uh, you know, you'll have to go to a dispensary even for recreational. Mm-hmm. I tell you, if you want to make, some, if you want to start it, make some money, figure out a way to test people on the spot if they're high on pot. Because literally, yeah. if you're stoned out of your mind, you're just as dangerous as a drunk driver. Oh yeah, absolutely. I might. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, that's I've, true. No, I've only right. tried pot. A couple times in the last 20 years, and I was really high. So I wouldn't be able to drive. I yeah. know that. And I wouldn't want to be with somebody driving that high. So I think mm-hmm. they – and there's no test on the market. There doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm surprised that's, they can't figure out how, to, out how to do that. Yeah, that's my one worry about it is it's like there's no way to Heck, know. you go downtown, mm-hmm. almost every car stops at the red light. There is just pot smoke pouring out the window. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I, I do. You know, it's, I never suspected this to be true, but the most difficult state in the United States to get even medical cannabis is Florida. 
They do not want to give cannabis to anybody oh, in so, Florida. It's such a drug-inundated state that they've seen the damage. Yeah. And I, I lived in Florida yeah, when the crack yeah. craze walked, went up Dixie Highway, and, oh, and it was yeah. devastating to South Florida. Devastating. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't blame Florida for being drug-shy because it did some serious damage, even though it did build the skyline of, of Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Yes, it did. It, the cocaine absolutely 100% did. But it did. it is a drug-inundated state. Yeah, it is. No, you're absolutely right about that. But it, you, man, if you need medical cannabis in Florida, you better prove you need it. Otherwise, they're not going to come near giving it to you. I'm that's, okay with uh, that. That's just a fact. I'm okay yeah, with I that. Yeah, I understand that. But I think you're right. I think that federally it's going to be legalized within the next couple of years. Well, I tell you what, if Donald Trump was smart, he'd legalize it as soon as he could because he could get all those potheads on his side. Well, right he, might, he might wait till the, till the election. Yeah, mm-hmm. he might. He might. That would be smart. That would be very, very smart because it's going to be legalized across well, the country. Anyway. Canada is completely legal now, the whole country. Yes, it is. So yep, it's, it is. it's just a matter of time. Want to hear something funny? It is just a matter of time. What? Kylie Jenner is now being considered the world's youngest self-made billionaire. She is a billionaire. That's correct. She, self-made, though. Yeah, she is not self-made no. by any means, no, no. but they're calling her self-made. And you know what I don't understand? That was a lo- that's a local news story. It's not even really a news story, but... No. <laughs> but it, Fox 9 it. reported that's... that yesterday, and I was like, why, yeah. why, do we, why do we care about that in Minnesota? That's yeah. just a doesn't affect my life in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you had gone when I was, let's say, 21 years old, because Kylie Jenner's 21 years old now, right? Yes. When I was 21 years old and I was sitting watching a television show and Toots walked in from, you know, her diner job and said, what are you watching? And I said, well, it's a, it's about a family and the dad helped O.J. kill two people and get away with it. And the mom sold uh, her own daughter's sex tape for money. <laughs> Toots would have gone, get out of my house. Yeah, they're very <laughs> scummy people. They are they're just very the scummy scum people. of the earth. Ugh. And I can't even judge Kylie Jenner. She's not old enough. She's only 21. She's a billionaire now. She's a beautiful young woman. What did she do to make makeup, all of this? Makeup. Cosmetics. She owns the one of the top makeup companies in the world. Oh. Which yep, somehow apparently only has 12 employees, which... I find a bit suspicious. <laughs> well, she sells uh, some lipstick kit. Yeah, Kylie's And they literally sold, kit. like, hundreds of million of them. I mean, it went crazy. It was, like, That's the amazing. biggest bad thing to ever sell in makeup. Yeah, so she got lip injections and then said that it was because of her lipstick, why their her lips oh, looked yeah. so big. And well, so now everybody she got buys. More than, she got more than lip injections. She got a lot if of you look at her, If you look at her 18-year-old picture... And then her 20, she's a different person. That's crazy. It's remember a that family person. being a scummy liar, huh? Crazy. How weird. Yeah. <laughs> How did that ever but happen? But I, I have to say, she does look better. Her face. She looks really good. She, I, she I looks saw like Kim. a picture of her today. Her face, she is prettier. She looks like Kim now. Yeah, a little bit. She looks like a little Kim. Kim. Well, not Except, like does she have that hollow look in her eye? Like, Kim Kardashian, every time I see her on TV, goes, is there anything in there? Oh, yeah. That look in her eyes like, I'm coming to get you. Oh, God. Yeah, I was never. She a Kim, does. She never, looks evil. Never a Kim fan. No, me either. I just and I don't understand why it is that a, a filthy family like that is so attractive to our young women in the United States. It's I don't get it. You know what they are? Because of that show. They're slimy. Yes. That's the perfect they word to describe that family. It's a slimy family. Yeah. And what does that tell you about Ryan Seacrest? Because he produced oh, the thing. Me. He He's made a him slime star. ball of all slime balls. That's what I understand. He is. Uh, I don't know. All these people. Everybody, money, money, money. That's why I loved having Ocean Baskin, uh, Ocean Robbins, excuse me, Ocean, Ocean on Bas- yesterday. Well, it is Ocean Baskin Robbins. Ocean Rocky Road. Yeah, it, it is. Baskin it is. Yeah, right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Ocean Robbins was a great guest when he said, uh, and his father said, I'd rather help a billion people than make a billion dollars, which he wouldn't have had to make. He, it was just he it was it. his, right. but, but he walked away from think it. think of all the people you could help with a billion dollars. <laughs> like you, maybe? Is I would be very generous if I had a billion dollars. I can tell you that right now. It's, pretty, it's a pretty interesting concept. And then you think that some people, well, one guy has, what, $140 billion? I think Putin has all close right. to that. <laughs> Yeah, Putin's got a lot of dough, and then you got uh, Jeff Bezos, who yeah, apparently think, has lost his mind. I think they're about tied right now. 
I think that's probably about right. I think you're right there. Uh, so you don't think they're going to be opening any dog shelters in Cuba anytime soon? Mm, no, no, probably not. I don't think so. But I don't think it's going to happen. But um, I don't know. The whole thing is, is rather interesting to me. The, it's where hard. we're headed. It's hard to say what you would actually do if you had a couple of billion dollars, though. It's really difficult. It, it's, you can't really say what you would do. Oh, I'd live large and give away a lot of money. <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't. <laughs> I would end up in there'd, prison probably. There'd be enough for everybody, I think. I'd probably end up in prison because I'd use some of the money to have people killed. What do you think? <laughs> That's not true. No, I would not. Wouldn't. I know you wouldn't do that. No, I would not. No. I, would, uh, I would go hide somewhere. I think that's, that's what, what I would do, do too, Tom. I would go yeah. just disappear. Go hide. I think well, that's what you are doing under a bunch of snow. Yeah, <laughs> you I'm, guys I'm, are hiding. I under am the under snow. a bunch of snow. <laughs> that is unbelievable. I'm, you know what? It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. I'm literally carrying bobcat buckets of snow down Brockton Lane and dumping it down the street because I have nowhere else to put it. I understand. That's what I've heard from a lot of people. That 15, 16 foot snow snow mounds outside their house. I tell you what, if anybody was going to want to hide a body. Start right oh, yeah. your pile because that, that snow pile is going to last till midsummer. Kind of looks like it. I remember that happened one time. Uh, God, I don't oh, know, yeah. maybe twenty five years ago, or something. Oh yeah, and at the end of our driveway too, there's like a really shady area. Yes, and there is. Yeah, yeah, we have we have we have the last snow in the neighborhood. We do usually we every do. year. I think I'll it's have the last. True. I got some big piles going on. Well, we used to live there, so it's our fault. We started this trend where we always have the last snow piles. It doesn't matter where we live, I guess. It's our That's fault. That's got that retaining pond. Go shove it in the river. You're not allowed to. Hold that. You're not allowed no, to. you can't do that. They don't want they, of, I already asked about that. You go, you'll get fined. Oh. Well, because of chemicals and road salt. No, they said it actually interrupts the, fl- the, the flood process. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I would have had no idea about hmm. that, but it's uh, yeah. I I, I I don't know. It the whole thing is. And you know, people don't realize there's going to be flooding in a couple of weeks. I would guess. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I would guess a couple of cities are going to have, especially south. They're going to have some big problems. Yeah, they're already prepping uh-huh. for flooding in southern Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't Fargo always flood too? What's, what's yes. the town that with all, the strip with the antique stores? Uh, south. Stillwater? Uh, Stillwater. Stillwater's going to have That's some. That's north. Stillwater it? always has problems. They're going to have yeah. big problems. And then Red Wing, too, probably. Yeah, they're all going to flood. I wouldn't doubt, doubt that downtown Dayton floods out because those houses are right on the river. I mean, the yeah. river's, like, yeah. equal with their backyard. Yep. Like, the grass and the river are the same height right now. <laughs> That's not good yeah, news. Mississippi likes to flood. That is not good news, no doubt about that. Yeah, Mississippi does like to flood. It's true. The Crow River going into Mississippi right there behind the house. It's, uh, I'm pretty safe. I'm a, we're pretty safe yep. there. We're 100 and some feet above that river. If, if that river flooded up to our house, then the whole city of Dayton's gone. <laughs> and yeah. and, well, and, and Osego and Maple Grove and Rogers. So I think we're okay. God. Yeah, I think you'll make it. I don't think there's going to be any problem there whatsoever. Um, how much snow are we supposed to get this weekend? Right or tomorrow? Double digits. You know, they're they're saying double digits Saturday. Uh, another foot of snow. Mm. That's what look. they're saying. That's what KQS well, said this morning. Double digits. March, they really? March is the snowiest month, right? It is, yeah. I actually been listening to KQRS because I never have. Actually, what do you mean you never have? <laughs> I just never, I never, I just never have. I know I don't, I'm not a big radio. He doesn't listen. get up that early. No, I, I just don't listen to radio much. But now I have every, every the house, the garage, and my and my and my vehicle all on KQRS. So I hear it all the time now. And I tell you, I know it's not part of your morning show, but that lost and found weekend thing is awesome. Yeah, it is. They play it stuff that you haven't heard in a lifetime, and they're all great songs. That was Scott Jameson and John Lastman put that together. That's really good. Even Jay, Lost Jay and Found Weekend is awesome. Oh, by the way, Nick, were you at the Kiss concert? I was not. Okay. Somebody I sent a be. picture of somebody that looked sort of like you from behind and oh, said, really? Is this Nick? I'm like, I don't know. So you didn't yeah, go to the Kiss concert. Didn't make so it this I year. I saw him last time they were here. And I kind of wanted to go, but got a lot on my plate right now. I cannot even think of an act that would come to town that I would go see because I spent all those years going to all those concerts over so my radio career and my record career and all the rest of it. Uh, I don't know who I would go there's to. Only yeah, it's one, different when you have to there's go. There's only yeah. one band I would go see in my, at this time, spot in my life. 
only mm-hmm. one. And just because I've only seen them twice, and their show is just every time you just go, how's this even legal? And that's Ramstein. It's just, oh, yeah, Ramstein. It's just such an insane... Is it Ramstein or Ramstein? I don't know. It depends where you're from. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, their show is just so... You go, how's this legal? How's this possibly legal? <laughs> the, the, there's so much fire. The whole... I mean, fire's right over your head, no matter where you are. I don't know how they can get away with it. I like it, man. We'll take a break. Be right back. A special guest coming up next. Murder in Chisago County. The unsolved Johnson family mystery. Brian Johnson, our special guest up next. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you. Do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Jeff, who started as a customer service rep and is now company controller. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. You blinded me with science. God, I haven't heard this song in a long, long time. No doubt about it. It's catchy. It is rather catchy. Let me know when Brian Johnson's ready to go, would you, Andrew? He's already I... sold a book, and he hasn't even been on the show yet. Believe he is good. ready. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Johnson, a Twin Cities journalist, has more than 25 years of experience as a reporter and editor, a longtime staff writer for a Minneapolis-based business publication. Johnson has won a number of awards from the Minnesota Society of Professional Journalists. He graduated from the University of Minnesota in 1989 with a major in journalism and a minor in Ah, here we go. Brian, why don't you be a little more predictable? The minor in Swedish. Johnson, (laughs) Swedish. The reason my daughter's laughing, Brian, is the the fact that her husband, Dan Rasmussen, is all about being Scandinavian. Oh, yeah. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Brian, I I, I should say one thing, too. Um, At least as far as I know, Brian Johnson is the only Twin Cities journalist that's never gone after me and tried to slit my throat. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. The one and only. Hey, not a problem. (laughs) Or maybe he has. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. By the way, I'm not to be be confused with the lead singer for ACDC. That's a different Brian Johnson. You'd have to say, me son, how you doing today, me son? I used to talk to Brian all the time. <laughs> nicest man, nicest guy in the world. Told a story one time, Brian. This is Brian Johnson from the, you know, uh, the lead singer of ACDC. He said, hey, Tom, i got to tell you something, me son. I just bought a Rolls-Royce Phantom. You know why I bought it? Because if I didn't buy one, the only time I'd ever get to ride in a Rolls-Royce is when they took me to me, to me coffin in the cemetery. Apparently, there was one <laughs> Rolls-Royce in his hometown, and everybody who rode in it was dead. Mm. <laughs> So wow. he wanted one in advance. It's a great story. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, murder in... Yeah, a, he's a great guy. I loved interviewing the guy. Murder in Chisago County, the unsolved Johnson family mystery. This is from, God, this is from almost 100 years ago, wasn't it? Something like that? Yeah, actually, it was April 1933. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so it was... Uh, my mother was actually alive at the time was was actually 12 years old at the time 
and uh, she's still alive, and she remembers when it happened. So, she's really she because my mother was uh, was born a year before your mother, and she hasn't been around now for like eleven years, unfortunately. So you're a, you're a lucky man to have your mother still with you. It's that good Swedish Scandinavian. DNA oh, or whatever. Here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> so what was this all about? So obviously none of us were around at this time. Harris, Minnesota is where? It's about 55 miles straight north of the city's um, Interstate 35. Oh, so it's right on the way to, does it, when you get the caramel roll at Toby's there, is it near there? Yeah, it's a little bit this side of Toby's. It's you know this side of Pinkley, but yeah, it's right on okay. the way. If you're heading up to Duluth or something, you'll cut right through, right by Harris. Okay. And an amazing story here. Uh, at 3.30 in the morning on April 11th, 1933, neighbors and firefighters arrived at the farmhouse of Alban and Alvira Johnson to find a smoldering heap where a seemingly happy home once stood. Beneath the ruins, investigators found the bodies of Alvira and her seven children. Mm. But Alban's remains were nowhere to be seen. What was this all about, Brian? Well, it's, it's a crazy story. Um, the backstory is that the old man, Alban's father, had actually evicted them, kicked the family off the farm, and this was in the middle of the Depression. Um, the, the old man owned the farm, and for some reason that, you know, I guess Alban was behind in rents or something like that, and he literally kicked them off the farm. And uh, so... Yeah, the uh, fire was discovered at about 3, 3.30 in the morning on April 11th, 1933. Um, and investigators, when they searched, uh, there, there wasn't much left of the house by the time that, you know, the, the neighbors arrived and the fire department, and as such as it was in Rust City, arrived. Um, just a small corner of the house was standing, and uh, the subsequent investigations, um, determined that the, the, the mother and the children were among the victims, but the old man, Alvin Johnson, uh, his remains weren't found, and he hasn't been seen or heard from since. Oh, really? So they never did find him? And they never found him. They searched, uh, they searched all the way up into Canada because he had worked there and 1917 in the logging camps and they figured well he had some connections there maybe tried to um you know get away to saskatchewan canada where he had worked um the royal canadian mounted police were involved the pinkertons were involved um but they never found him again and he was actually indicted by a grand jury in october of 1933 but obviously was never brought to justice because they couldn't track him down Right, absolutely. Now, I do have to ask you, Brian, are you in any way related to Alvin Johnson? <laughs> That's a great question. And just to clarify, oh. um, I'm related to... <laughs> I'm, related... <laughs> I'm related to Elvira Lundin Johnson, so I'm related on the Lundin side of the family. Um, my mother happened to marry a wonderful man named Johnson, but he's not related to this Johnson clan. So, oh. just wanted so you to clarify are related, that. Brian, that's amazing. So you're not yeah. related to the Johnson, but you are related to the Lundine. Exactly right. Actually, if she was so Elvira Lundine was my uh, my great aunt, my grandmother's sister, to be precise, um, on my mother's side of the family. So. That's how I'm so, Brian, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Minneapolis, and I've known about this tragedy for ever since I was a little kid, actually, because we would go up there. The, the, the Elvira and the kids are buried in a cemetery in Rush City, First Lutheran Cemetery, and we would mm, go up okay. there every year around Memorial Day and pay our respects at the grave. And my great-grandmother's buried there and other relatives on my mother's side of the family. And when I was a kid, I just assumed that, wow, this is just a terrible, you know, terrible accident that killed these poor people. And it wasn't until later that I started to dig into it and investigate. I was just curious. And then I discovered this whole gruesome backstory.
God, it's an amazing story. It's a, it, uh, so, so they never did find Albin. They, they they found the mom and all seven children. All seven children were found. Their their corpses, their bodies. Yeah, they were. Um, there wasn't much left of the bodies, from what I understand. But they could tell that. And and by the way, they did determine that the mother and children were dead before the fire, and that was based oh. in part on their sleeping position. They were found in their sleeping positions. So. The, the thinking was that if, if any of them had been alive, at least one of them would have attempted to escape, and there would have been some indication that um, sure. you know, they'd moved about or something like that. But uh, um, it was concluded that they, they were all dead before the fire, um, and the obvious suspect from day one was, was Alban. Now, were you able as a, a young man to talk to your grandmother about, about the family or any of these things? You know, I remember my grandmother very well. She um, she actually lived in Oregon, and we'd go out there and visit her every oh, summer okay. and things like that. Um, but she she died in 2000. But, you know, she never talked about it. It was one of those things that I'm guessing it was just too painful to talk about. And, and to be honest, sure. I can't, I don't know that I ever actually directly asked her about it. But um, I know she never talked about it with my mother or as far as I know, it was just too painful because she was very close in age to her sister, Elvira. They were only about two years apart. Oh, God. And yeah. so, yeah. That's what's oh, so amazing to me. So, so Albin's dad evicts them from the farm, and then Albin at Correct. some point goes missing, and the house catches fire. Mm-hmm. So why would a guy mm-hmm. who had just evicted them burn the house down? I don't. Was it an insurance well, thing or something? The thinking is that Alvin burned the house down to cover up the crime, that he killed the family okay. and torched the house to make it look like it was an accident, and then he got out of Dodge. And, um, you know, back in those days, I'm guessing it was a lot easier to just, you know, hit the road and, and uh, you know, kind of blend into the background. Obviously, law enforcement wasn't as sophisticated as today, so... Yeah, it's so amazing to you because know, I was just thinking that, about this whole situation. Can you imagine? I'm sitting here next to my my wife, Brian, and if my dad mm-hmm. called and said we're evicting you from your house because you haven't made any payments, yeah. Catherine, go, my God, you're a loser. Your father gives <laughs> yeah. us a house to live, and you yeah. can't even make the payments. I could see where a fight might start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, the a crazy whole thing. Story and and from what I understand, this this the. Alban's father is a guy named Emil Johnson, and he was a Swedish immigrant. And so, um, <laughs> um, you know, not all Swedes are nice people, apparently. But Are um, you anyway, sure? I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I guess I, I the just... old man was considered, yeah, no. But he was considered a pillar of the community in a lot of ways. He helped build the... Lutheran Church in town in Harris, a beautiful church that's still standing today, and people mm-hmm. thought he was this wonderful guy, and he kind of wore his religion on his sleeve, but obviously there's another side to this dude as well, because I can't yeah, imagine kind of kicking like... your family off the farm right. in the Depression, no less. Yeah, in the Depression, you're going to kick them out, and they got nowhere to go well, because it's the Depression. Yeah, and it's not like there are people lining up to rent, you know, the farm no. out there. No. That's very yeah, odd. very odd. Yeah. And, so Brian, and Alvin had, had a hard time finding. Yes, no, I was going to say he he had had a hard time finding work. Obviously, given the mm-hmm. situation, and um, so yeah, he he um, just uh, was in was in desperate straits. So, well, well I, I mean, can see I, how I, I might have. Be... Yeah, no, I understand. I I, I will not say to, this not though: to condone, can... not to condone what he did, but you can see he was. It was. Uh, I think he was just out of his mind. So, well, you have to understand too that that a situation where it's hard to keep a job because Scandinavians are just not reliable employees. So, <laughs> 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 I had to. Get, the I had to get that in there for my son-in-law. Um, I, I got. I got to ask you this, Brian. Are you related to the Lundeen family mm-hmm. in in North Minneapolis? Because I went to school with a bunch uh, of Lundeens. Not- not that I know of. I know there are a number of Lundines out there, but I'm, I may be related in some way, but I, I can't say for sure. 
Well, they're a fine family of good-looking people, so you'd be happy to know that. And just They've kept up the, the pace of the whole thing. Uh, you done your part, and they've done right. their part. So it's a, it's a good thing, you know what I'm saying. Uh, the, the book mm-hmm. is called Murder in Chisago County, the Unsolved Johnson Family Mystery. Brian Johnson, the author. Brian lives in uh, Richfield, Minnesota. It's wonderful to have you on, Brian. And as we go along, we, well, mm-hmm. we should have you on the KQ Morning Show as well. So uh, we have your oh, number, I love so it. We can I'd reach love out it. to you. Okay, well, I will. I, I will it. talk to uh, booking you, and we got to get you on there because this is a fascinating story, and it's it's homegrown. And talking about Minnesota, uh, it's very important, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, I will reach out to you, and we'll get you booked on the, on the KQ Morning Show. Sounds good. I'd love it. Thank you very much. But don't tell your reporter friends because they go, "Oh, not that ass," <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thanks so much for your you time today. It. Great. Great, great storytelling, man. Thanks very much. Brian Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Uh, isn't that, that, I mean, can you imagine that in your, look, I, as you know, when you, a couple of my great uncles and one of my uncles were, all three of them were murdered, and having that in your past is like, well, that's kind of interesting, but to have your great aunt and seven children massacred oh, in a house fire, well, probably massacred imagine. and then burned. Oh. It's got to be a tough uh, thing to handle, don't you think? You know, sometimes you think, I wonder if somebody got a brain tumor and went psychotic or, you you know, I mean, I just, uh, horrible. It is unbelievable. But yeah, that's, uh, what a nice guy, Brian Johnson. I don't think I've ever met Brian Johnson, but I, you know, I I like uh, the fact that uh, I still don't understand that. Try somebody, we've got 30 seconds. Somebody please explain to me. Catherine pointed this out. Nobody's going to rent your farm because they're all broke because it's the depression. It's the depression, exactly. Why would you kick your family off the farm if nobody's going to rent it from you anyway? It's got to be about something else. There is something yeah. else to the story. My what do you guys think? Is. Well, to follow the money. That's, That's what I'm thinking. It's insurance. I mean, there had to have been something where um, insurance claims, but probably that and a comedy. Who knows? He could have been having an affair, too. Yeah, and that's just true. What, was the, what was the family. name of the first uh, serial murderer woman that was in? Wasn't she? In, she was in England, right? We watched that show. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was, and because you were, it was easy to put um, life insurance on anybody. Mm-hmm. And she Which just is so kept, crazy. Yeah. How well, did they not think I that know. that was going to end poorly? <laughs> they didn't realize the depths true. that people will go to for cash. It is I true. Guess. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.